to preach a word this morning out of Exodus chapter 4 that I've entitled Stutter Start. Stutter Start. Because as we start, as God gave Moses this vision of freedom, and there were, there, were kind of, there were kind of three things all wrapped into this when God said to Moses, I, I'm, I am God, and this is what I'm about to do, and I'm going to lead you to a land of, of milk and honey and, free, and freedom. Uh, uh, you had to walk through a time of bondage, but bondage is not the ultimate destination for my people, and I'm going to release you. And, and then um, he gave them the steps. And so in that, there were three things. There was hope, there was vision, and there were steps. There was hope, and there were vision, and there were steps. And that's what God gives us. That's what is going to be a part of this 21 days of freedom. We're going to infuse you with hope through the word of God. We're gonna, God is going to give you a vision. I believe that. God's going to give you a greater vision for your life than you've ever seen. A vision, a, pro, a picture of a preferred future. This is where you're at, but this is where you're going. This is where I'm taking your family. This is where I'm taking our church. This is where I'm taking your ministry, whatever it is, God is going to give you a vision, but then he's going to also give us steps. And can I be honest, as Pentecostal people, as spirit-filled people, we often stutter over the steps because we love a good service. We love a good worship song. Come on, we love, we love to shout. We love to worship, and I am all for that. I love a good altar call. I can't wait till we can give altar calls again. And, and I love praying for people and, and laying hands on people, but, but sometimes we stutter over the steps. Because freedom is both, see, even when I preach about steps, nobody says amen. Because they're like, I don't want to take the steps. Like, God, can you just do it now? I'll shout for the now. I'll shout for the breakthrough. But God, freedom is both event and process. Come on, somebody muster up a little bit of an amen for a step. And so we need to take good steps. Um, the, the, 12, the, the 10 plagues were not 10 failed attempts. The 10 plagues were 10 steps. So what if in your life uh, you didn't fail? What if you just stopped too soon? You, you, stum- you stuttered over a step. That's what happened. And so uh, this is what happened to Moses. Moses didn't stutter over the vision. Moses didn't stutter over the hope. Mo- Moses stu- stuttered over the steps. And the first thing that he stuttered over, this is really interesting to me. You know, as you read through this account in Scripture, Moses' greatest enemy to freedom was not Pharaoh, was it? Moses' greatest enemy to freedom was not even the Israelites that didn't believe the way that Moses believed. Moses' greatest enemy to freedom was a guy named Moses. And can, can I preach that to us today? That you're, the greatest roadblock to your freedom is not the devil. The greatest roadblock to your freedom is not your friends and family that you had to mute and unfollow on social media this past week. The greatest barrier to your freedom looks a lot like the person that you brush your teeth with in the morning staring back at you in the mirror. How many times do we stutter, do we stumble over ourselves? You're like, you're like me when I was a senior in college playing intramural basketball. And, and, and I tripped and I, and I fell and I was in a cast for nine months and I ended up having to have surgery and a screw in my wrist and a nice big scar on my wrist. I didn't stumble over the defender. I didn't stumble over a teammate. I stumbled over these own two feet. 
And so many times we're looking to blame somebody else. We have excuses, right? Because this is exactly what Moses did. Moses came up with all of these excuses. God, I'm, I'm all in for the vision. I'm all in for the hope. But Moses began to stutter and he began to stumble over the excuses. And so I want to expose some excuses in all of our lives. Let's just face these things from the outset and let's crush these excuses and get on with our freedom. So these are some excuses that can keep us from true freedom. Here's number one. Probably one of the greatest excuses of all time, the excuse of what will other people think. This excuse entered into your life during puberty and it never left. Up until then, you didn't care. You didn't care. You wore whatever you wanted to to the grocery store. You wore a cape. You wore bedroom slippers. You wore your pajamas. You didn't care. You didn't care how many times a week you bathed. You didn't care what your hair looked like. And then puberty hit, middle school hit, and suddenly you started caring what other people thought, and it never left. Well, for most people, I've seen the way some people go to the grocery store, but for most people, you care what other people think. And sometimes that's good, but a lot of times it's bad. God, what will other people think? What will other people think if I really step into worship? What will other people think if I go all out for God in a culture that will, that will tell me not to go all out for God? But Moses said, Moses said this in verse 1, but Moses protested again saying what if what if they what if they won't believe me or or listen to me what if they say the Lord never appeared to you what will other people think can I tell somebody today that what somebody else thinks of you is none of your business Can I tell you today that how other people respond to you is not up to you? I need to preach freedom today for somebody who is held to the chains of what other people would think. You would start that degree today if you weren't afraid of what somebody would say. You would start that business today if you weren't afraid of what somebody would say. You you would propose today if you weren't afraid of what somebody else would say. Hopefully they would say yes. But you get my point. What will other people think? It's what Moses stumbled over. And I I love how God answers Moses. Because God answers Moses directly. He says, what's in your hand? And Moses says, a staff. And he turns his staff into a snake. And then he says, take that same hand and put it into your cloak. And the the hand turned leprous. And then he took it out and the leprosy was removed. And then he said, take some of the water from the Nile and pour it on the ground. And the water from the Nile uh, turned into blood. And what God showed Moses of how to overcome that excuse in his life is the same way that you're going to overcome the excuse of what other people will think in your life. And so the first thing is the staff turned to a snake. Here's my hypothesis. My hypothesis is simply this. Moses did not stutter before this moment. It was the snake that caused him to stutter because I know how I would respond. What's that in your hand, pastor? It's a staff. Throw it down. The staff became a snake. God, I love you. I'll see you in heaven. I'm out. You're not, you're not telling me. There is not, a, there is not a ministry in this world that involves a snake that I want to sign up for. My, I, we've got close friends. 
friends of ours, they have allowed their oldest child to have one, two, now three snakes. Three snakes in the bedroom. One of those snakes got lost in the house for four, for four days. In the house. They did not know. Was it in their bed? Was it in their couch? Was it, was it under the refrigerator? Whip for four days. I love Camden. I would be at the Holiday Inn across town if I thought that there was a snake in our house. Four days. The child found the snake in the middle of the night at 2 o'clock in the morning when he woke up when the snake was licking his toes. I'm out, y'all. I'm so out. But I want, to, I want you to watch what Moses... So Moses throws down the staff. The staff turns into a snake. But what God says is, Moses, pick up the snake. Pick up the snake. I want you to watch this. What does a snake represent in Scripture? What does a serpent represent in Scripture? A serpent represents the devil. And so here's what God was telling Moses. Moses, the thing that you are scared from, you got to confront that very thing in your life. Watch this. The only power the devil has over you in your life is when you run from the devil. When you run for, that's the only power the enemy has is when you run from him in fear. If you will confront that snake that's in your life, if you will reach down and say, my God says, if I touch you, you're about to go from harmful to harmless in the name of Jesus. Your venom is about to come out from under you. You are going to stop running from the thing that you have been afraid of all your life. You're going to reach down. You're going to confront that thing over the next 21 days in the name of Jesus, and you are going to live more free than you've ever lived in your life somebody give him praise today because you're going to touch that staff you're going to touch that staff and then he says I want you to put your hand in the cloak and what happened he took his hand out of the cloak and he was staring I want you to see this in 2021 he was staring at the most feared disease of the day And then he put his hand back in the cloak and it came out clean. And that was God saying, I have all power and all authority over every sickness, every sickness and every disease. Hear your pastor. I'm not saying this pandemic isn't real. I've done the funerals for our church members and their families. I've stood beside them. I've wept with them. I'm not in denial. I'm not saying don't don't live uh, with wisdom. I'm not saying all of that. I just want to remind somebody that the fear of COVID will not control your life. It will not control your life. The fear, the fear of this disease will not control your decisions any longer. The fear of this disease will not control you because God is the God over all sickness and all disease. And the third thing that God told Moses is he said, take a little bit of that water from the Nile and I want you to pour it on the ground. And the water from the Nile became blood. What was going on there? The Egyptians were polytheistic. They worshipped everything. They worshipped Pharaoh. They worshipped frogs. They worshipped flies and gnats. In fact, remember, each one of the plagues was a direct attack on one of the false gods of Egypt. And so God had to layer by layer, buckle by buckle, shackle by shackle, begin to undo the layers of Egyptian bondage in their life. That's why it's going to take 21 days. 
That's why it's going because you got layers. You got layers. Come on, tell your neighbor you got layers. Tell, tell your other neighbor you're complicated. <laughs> you're like an onion. You got, la- you got layers of Egyptian bondage. So you're a work in progress. God is going to have to undo these layers. But the Nile was actually like um, one, of, one of the most prominent gods. The Nile was everything. It represented their economy. It represented uh, travel. It represented the very heartbeat and the life of that country and so God took that water that false good and God and he poured it on the ground and the Nile became blood and what God was saying is that the blood of Jesus is sufficient to tear down every false God of culture every false God of culture I don't care what news outlet says it I don't care what politician says it I don't care what celebrity says it I don't care what friend or family member says it if it is uh, if it is words about a false God the blood of Jesus is greater than that false God and it's still true today it was true in Egypt it's true in our world it's true in the United States of America and it's true in your life the blood of Jesus is greater than any false God that the enemy has tried to put in your pathway and so we tear down that excuse in Jesus' name. But, 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 but Moses, had a, Moses had unlimited. It was, he was like, well, what was the first restaurant to have like un, unlimited refills? It was a Burger King. That's what I, the, the one I remember. Maybe it wasn't the one down here. But Moses had like unlimited refills of excuses. He's like, all right, God, you took care of that one. I got another excuse right here. The second excuse was my weakness. My weaknesses are too great. My weaknesses are too great. In verse 10, but Moses pleaded. But Moses pleaded with the Lord. Oh, Lord, I'm not very good with words. I I never have been. And I'm not it now, even though you've spoken to me. I get tongue-tied. My words get tangled. And he, he started stuttering. He started stuttering over his weaknesses. He started stuttering over his steps. We do the same, right? We stutter over our past. We stutter over our weaknesses. My past is too bad. These these chains have been in my family for years. Everyone in my family ends up divorced. I've battled this for too long. I've prayed to be free from this before. And what ends up happening is we start talking to God about the things that we can't do instead of talking to the enemy about the things that our God can do. And that self-talk, that negative self-talk about our weaknesses can keep us trapped in the same cycles. I'm reading a book right now called Limitless by Jim Quick, K-W-I-K. He's got a fascinating story. Jim says that when he was a, a young kid, he was he was like most young boys. He loved superheroes. He was creative. He had a vivid imagination. He started out kindergarten, loved school, had friends. And, and one day in kindergarten, there were some sirens outside of the kindergarten room. And so Jim and his classmates did what every kindergartner d- does when they hear sirens. They run to the window to see what's going on and he couldn't really see because there were people there and so he hops up on top of a a chair to look out the window and there was a radiator that was right in front of him and as he's looking at the fire trucks another kid kind of in the chaos and the confusion not understanding what's going on grabs the chair and pulls the chair and Jim tumbles forward and hits his head on the radiator they call an ambulance and take him to the hospital immediately and they told his mom that your son will live but he has significant brain damage and 
and that turned out to be true for, for years in Jim's life. He's, he struggled. That, that imagination was now fuzzy, and, and the things that he could learn quickly, he was very slow, and he just struggled so much in school. In fact, one teacher, one teacher looked at him one time and, and said in front of the whole class, that's the kid with the broken brain. And he wore that label, I have a broken brain, I'm slow, I can't learn, I'm never going to amount to anything. One time in high school, he, he, he wanted to pass his English class. He just wanted to, to pass. He was having a failing grade. And so the teacher said, Jim, if you'll do an extra credit report on Albert Einstein and bring that into me, we'll consider passing you. And so he worked so hard on this report, hours and hours. He poured into this and was a little bit inspired by the fact that he had read that they thought that Albert Einstein had some learning deficiencies and disabilities and, and, and stepped into greatness. And so he, he meticulously prepared this report and he, he put it in a binder and walked into his classroom. He was going to give it to his teacher at the end of class. He was so excited, but his teacher surprised him and said, Jim, I'm actually going to have you read this report in front of everybody. He was paralyzed with fear because he couldn't, he couldn't read. He stuttered and he stammered and he was slow. And so he lied to his teacher and said, he looked down and he said, I didn't do the report. After class was over, he took that report, he slipped it into the trash and walked out. It was years later when he was in college, still struggling, that he came across uh, the father of a good friend, he just went home for the weekend, and the friend's dad just said, hey, how's it going? And he didn't know what he was, what he was stepping into, but Jim breaks down crying, just sobbing, just saying, I, I can't, I can't learn, I can't study. And so this friend's dad started asking him, well, what are the dreams in your life? And, and Jim starts telling him the dreams, and, and through this mentoring relationship with this friend's father, long story short, today what has happened is Jim Quick has found a way not just of things what to learn but how to learn and he speaks to hundreds of thousands of people he's employed by companies like Google and SpaceX there's 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 uh, CEOs and Hollywood entertainers that will fly him in because he is discovered he speed reads he consumes information what happened was God took the very point of his weakness and flipped it and now is using as a testimony not only to bring freedom to himself but to bring freedom to hundreds of thousands of other people and can I tell you that that's what God wants to do with your weakness too that's what he wants to do with you with your stutter I know you stutter I know you stammer I know you're slow but we serve a God that doesn't overlook your stutter he wants to use your stutter he wants to work through your stutter and he wants to use that to bring glory to himself and the final excuse that Moses gave was this said, God, some, someone else, someone else, but not me. Someone else, but not me. Verse, verse 13, but Moses again pleaded, Lord, please. I'm, I'm in, I'm in with the hope. I believe, God, I believe that you can bring freedom. God, I believe that you're going to set this nation free. I just don't believe that you can do it in me and use me. And this is an excuse and this is a roadblock that the enemy continues to use in the lives of so many believers. God, I believe that you can do this. I just don't believe that you can do it in me. God, someone else. The enemy loves it when we go into someone else mode. 
someone else would be a better father to my children. Someone else could lead the division of this company better. Someone else could pastor this church better. God can heal someone else, but he can't heal me. God can restore somebody else's marriage, but he can't restore mine. God can take addiction away from someone else, but I'm too weak. I don't have the influence like someone else. I don't have the charisma like someone else. I don't have the bank account or the talent like someone else. But I want you to see how God reacts in this situation. If you read the account, God gets, God gets a little frustrated and God gets a little angry. But God, even in his frustration and even in his anger, pours out mercy and pours out grace on Moses and says, Moses, I've got somebody else that I'm going to bring alongside you. I've got a relationship that is for this season. They were brothers for a lifetime, but he brought somebody back into Moses's life for this season to get Moses where Moses was supposed to go. And I just believe that that same God that brought somebody back into Moses's life to get him where he needs to go. I see this for somebody. There's a relationship that you had at one point. God's about to bring that relationship back into your life to get you to where he has the destination that he has for you. I was watching this recently. I was watching a story recently um, about a, a young boy named Owen, Owen Hatchell. There's a young British boy and he was diagnosed early on with a with a very rare disease. The doctors said only about 35 people in the entire world have been diagnosed with this disease. And basically what it does, it contracts uh, muscles. It's very painful. It causes you not to be able to grow. It messes with your eyesight. And so um, Owen, of course, as a young boy, had, had challenges, but he was, he was getting along. And then what happened is that as he began to get a little bit older and his parents needed to put him in a wheelchair, he went outside and suddenly Owen started looking around at other people and said, other, other, kids, aren't, other kids aren't like me. He, he saw the stares and he, and he heard the whispers and, and it shut him down started dealing with all kinds of anxiety in his life. He didn't want to, didn't want to even leave the house. And, and so it was about that time that Owen's parents saw on the news the report of this dog at a train station outside of London. Somebody had tried to get rid of this dog, and they didn't just leave it. They actually tied it to the railroad tracks. But it partially escaped just in enough time to stay alive. But the dog lost its tail and lost its leg. And Owen's parents says, why, why don't we bring this dog? into our home and so they adopted this dog and Owen and this dog who he named Hatchie became quick friends best friends they would do everything together he would snuggle together sleep together play together and it began to fill Owen with this confidence of I can go out because I got somebody beside me and 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 he has a weakness and and I've got a weakness but I got somebody that looks like me and and they not only began to go outside and engage in life but Owen saw some dog shows on television he said to his dad dad why don't we enter Hatchie in these dog shows and they entered Hatchie in this division of best rescue dog and wouldn't you know it in that first in that first uh, competition Hatchie won first place 
Owen looked at his dad and said, Dad, we're going to do this every weekend and weekend after weekend. First place, first place, first place, first place. There was a nationally televised dog show in Britain. The stadium was filled. It was the, the largest one of these dog shows in Great Britain. And again, Owen and Hatchie won first place. Why do I tell you that story? I tell you that story to tell you this, that if God can bring a three-legged dog into a young boy's life to fill him with the confidence that he needs to take him to his destiny and his destination, then God has the relationship. He's got the tribe. He's got the, the person to bring into your life to get you where you need to go to. He's got you. He's got you. Can I tell you that your excuses are no match for your God? Somebody's been making excuses all your life. This is why I'm not free. This is why I'm not going to do it. 21 days of prayer, I'm not even going to try, Pastor, because I know myself, and I'm going to stop at day five. No, you're not. God is bigger than your excuses. And even if you stutter over day seven, God is bigger than your stutter. He's bigger than your stutter. He's greater than your stutter. He will even use your stutter. Adam, come up here because this is the only time this is going to happen. It's in my imagination. So come up here. If Adam and I are playing basketball, if you don't know this about Adam, he's a fairly decent basketball player. I'm fairly, well, I told you what happened the last time I tried to play basketball and I got the scar to prove it. But here's what happens in basketball. If Adam's the defender and I'm the point guard going down the court, there's a, there's a move. There's a move. Don't tell, don't tell Adam about it, but there's a move and it's called the stutter step. It's called the stutter step. Derrick Rose was a master at the stutter step. And so here's what, here's what happens. As you're dribbling toward the defender, as you're running down the court toward the defender, what you do is you purposefully stutter. You do a chop step, and so the defender doesn't know, am I going to go left? Am I going to go right? And so what happens is that you use your stutter to your advantage to freeze the enemy while I blow by Adam. He doesn't even know what's going on, and I'm scoring two points. I'm probably dunking it. I'm probably dunking it with two hands. It's my imagination. You let me do what I want. Come on. Thanks. Give, give Adam a hand for being my defender up here. Here's what the enemy's about to do in your life. He's about to use your stutter. He's about to use your stutter. When you stutter, the enemy's going to freeze and he's going to show you how to make your way around the enemy and get to your goal and get to your destination. My God will use a stutter. He'll use a stutter. I find it interesting that Moses, after he encountered God, didn't lose his stutter. Some of you are going to be freed from a stutter. Some of you are going to be freed from the self-consciousness of your stutter. Moses was never freed from his stutter. Moses stuttered all the way to the edge of the promised land. I don't even care anymore. God, use my weakness, use my stutter, use anything. As long as I get to my destination, I'll stutter all the way to the promised land. I'll stutter for your glory, God, whatever it takes. Use my stutter. Use my stutter. Stutter. Step. 
you're going to stutter, but you're going to take a step in the name of Jesus. Father, I thank you, Lord, that you don't give up on us when we've given up on ourselves. I thank you that our excuses are no match for the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. I thank you that a weakness is no match for what you're going to do with our future. And I pray right now for somebody that's, that's tripping over Jesus. The Bible says that the cornerstone, that, that Jesus is the rock, and that you will either use Jesus as the cornerstone to build your life upon, or you'll stumble, stumble over Jesus. You'll trip over Jesus. There's somebody here today that you've been tripping over Jesus, and you've never given your heart to him. You've never given your life to him. And what the Lord wants to do is he wants to move that rock the very rock that you've been tripping over into the cornerstone that you're going to build your life upon. That's a word for somebody today. And so as I pray this prayer, I want everybody to pray it out loud, but somebody's going to say yes to Jesus for the very first time. Come on, everybody in the house, repeat, repeat this prayer. Just say, Jesus, I come to the cross and I ask you to forgive me. I ask you to take away my sin and come into my heart come into my life so that I can live wide awake to the love of God and fully alive to my purpose in Jesus name. Somebody say I stutter but I'm going to step. Come on say I stutter but I'm going to step. Say I stutter but I'm going to step. Give them praise in the house today. You're going to step church. You're going to step.